0: That's what I would love people to understand. Not only can God do what you're believing for, He can exceed what you're believing for. The big and important thing is the narrative of our dream comes from the premise of the will of God, because we can dream all we like, but if it's not built on a good foundation, then that dream will become a frustration.
1: the Hillsong Creative Podcast, where we hear from creative experts and influencers, the dreamers and the doers, what they've learned and what we can learn from their journey as we explore, respond and create. I'm Rich Langton, and on today's episode, we've got our global senior pastor, Brian Houston. We're going to talk about all sorts of things, including creativity and the heart behind his new book, There Is More. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. I'm personally very excited about it because we have our global senior pastor, Brian Houston. Brian is known for his preaching and his leadership, but I'm not sure many people think about the fact that everything you see as far as Hillsong Church goes comes out of his leadership, but also his creativity. So we have the Hillsong Channel, we have Hillsong Worship, Hillsong United, Hillsong Young and Free. We have all of the expressions of Hillsong Church globally, many, many campuses around the world, and they've all come out of his leadership, his vision, and his creativity. So I hope you enjoy this and that you're inspired by this interview as much as I've been inspired by Pastor Brian's leadership over the years. You're going to love it. Let's get straight into it.
2: Uh, Welcome to the Hillsong Creative Podcast. I am Gabriel Kelly, and today we have a personal highlight for me hearing from one of my mentors, my father in the faith, our global senior pastor here at Hillsong Church, Brian Houston. Hello.
0: Hi, thank you. be easy on me.
2: I was hoping you'd be easy on me, actually. (laughs) Um, It's a real honor to have you on the podcast with us. We've had a lot of diverse uh, industries and areas of creativity explored, but I'm really excited to talk to you today. So thank you for making some time for us.
0: I'm glad to. Thanks.
2: And... One thing that I'm really excited about and a big part of why we're talking today is the release of your new book that is about to pop all around the world called There Is More.
0: There Is More. If the world says you can't, God says you can.
2: That's right. A few questions about There Is More and just some of the things that I've picked up from reading it. I got a copy a few days ago and I've crammed as much as I can in the last 48 hours and I have Ah. to say personally, um, really impacting Um, and really helpful for me. So thank you for writing it and pouring so much of yourself into it.
0: So even though you read it in 48 hours, you were able to absorb it.
2: I wrote it, I highlighted, I took notes, All the things that work Well,
0: people can't see, but you've got a copy of the book there and you've got b- b- post-it notes all the way through it. So <laughs> I'm impressed. I think you know my book better than I know it. Now.
2: But I also joked to you before we started that I just put those sticky notes in random places. To yeah, when you did that. Right? And yeah, and yeah.
0: well, I, you know, I was feeling so encouraged for a little while and <laughs> then it brought me right down again.
2: <laughs> um, there is More. Yeah. I love the title. Can you tell us a little bit about when you knew the book was going to be called There is More, where that initial thought kind of came from?
0: Yeah, look, I think it was a journey... I think anyone who knows me or listens to me more than two or three times would know I'm very passionate about people living with a sense of purpose and calling. And when I think about more, uh, what I'm not thinking about is money or greed or stuff. Or That's the furthest thing from my mind. I think a lot of people, maybe they see that title and that's where their mind may go. This is not a book about that. It's really just really understanding if we make it, you know, less of us and more about other people and all about God, then our lives are going to be very powerful. And I, my experience is the more we discover about God, the more we discover about his plan for our lives. I just really am passionate about people catching a hold of the way God sees them and just the incredible adventure of serving him. The will of God, even though it has its challenges and its ups and downs, is just so so fulfilling when we live with a sense of purpose and i uh, you know i just i do believe that god does exceed abundant above what people could ever ask or mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. Uh, when we let him be the the power that's working in us ephesians 3:20 which is really the theme verse of the book
2: right let's let's stop there for a second because i feel like like you said it's a theme verse of the book ephesians 3:20 a verse that you would have read thousands of times over you know your time in ministry and over your lifespan um what was it that kind of jumped out and really grabbed you as the concept for for this book do you think was there a moment when that connection kind of clicked to the verse was there an aha moment where it kind of gelled or was it just something that formulated over time
0: look i think it just really came out of my heart i just Mm -hmm. think that uh you know it's just me writing down what what matters to me what i would love to be able to leave as an imprint in people's spirits, you know. So far, the people who have read the book and a number have, uh, you know, before it's been released, you know, the main word people have used is encouraging. Mm. And if it just does that, if it just encourages people, encourages them to believe, you know, what God says about them, then it's, it's worth it to me just for that. There's a whole lot out in the world that's discouraging, and especially when it comes to, you know, God doing more than we could imagine. So many people would you know, be surrounded by forces and people and influences that kind of says exactly the opposite. And even here in Australia, politically and, you know, academically, people talk about aspirational. So they would talk about people who live in a particular part of a big city, uh, usually more the middle-class type suburbs. They talk about the young people as aspirational, as though it's a negative, Mm. uh, you know, as though it's negative to aspire to something. And to me... I, I want to see young people aspire to be all God's called them to be. I want young people to have the sense that there is more to their life and God can raise them up. And Bobby's and my, Bobby obviously is my wife. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our own story is just, a, to me, a perfect example of it. We were just a couple of Kiwi kids, New Zealand kids. And when we came to Australia exactly 40 years ago, I was 24. She uh-huh. was uh, 21. They were just young kids with a dream. Yeah. And I was always a big dreamer. I spent my childhood uh, dreaming, and I can still recall, as I do with this book, my walk home from the station every night to my house uh, and just you know, I literally can remember the names of the streets and i just go along that walk every night. And I'd just be dreaming about the future. And I would imagine myself coming back and doing that walk in many years time when I was an adult. It's, uh-huh. you know, a story to tell where yep. my life was at then. Funnily enough, I've never been back there. I've never done that walk before, but I want to encourage other people to dream. And that's where this book starts.
2: Yeah. I think that's one of the first things you talk about is that you've always been a big dreamer since your earliest days.
0: Yeah, I was. We came here 40 years ago. We Kids with a big dream in our heart. But we could never have imagined what was ahead of us. Mm. You know, we could never have imagined when we started our church 34 years ago, Hillsong Church on the fringe of Sydney then, Mm. right out on the rural edge of the city, that one day it would become a global ministry. That's the surprise. And I want to have other people living with that expectation that God will surprise them with his faithfulness as we're faithful to his will and faithful to his purpose.
2: Yeah, I love that. Was there... On that, is there a moment at some point where you kind of realized your calling had become your reality? The dreams you had, yeah. you were living them out. Was there a moment where you kind of went, oh, I'm, I'm doing what I dreamed of?
0: Well, to be honest, what God's done in our lives has surpassed what I dreamed of. And like oh. I say, I, I was a dreamer. Joseph, when he was 17, you know, he dreamed a dream. And I, at 17, I also just dreamed dreams. And uh, I sat in church as a kid. You know, I grew up in church, and I I would sit up in church, and I would uh, do two things. One is I used to go to the hymn books we used to have, and I would yeah. have a competition between which person wrote the most songs yep. between Fanny J. Crosby Crosby and, yeah, and uh, Charles Wesley. Wesley. Yeah, I, I'd either be doing that, or again, I would just be sitting there drifting off and dreaming about the future. My dream was always about serving God. My dream was always about one day maybe being a preacher, building a great church. And uh, so that's the thing. That's what, that's what I would love people to understand. Yeah. Not only can God do what you're believing for, He can exceed what you're believing for. The big and important thing is the narrative of our dream comes from the premise of the will of God, because we can dream all we like. Yeah. Uh, but if it's not built on a good foundation, then that dream will become a frustration.
2: Yeah, which I feel like you talk quite extensively about in the book about um about appointment and disappointment. Yes. Um, there's a, a fair few chapters through that middle portion where you talk quite a lot about your own experience and also what you want young leaders and young pastors and, for this audience, young creatives to be aware of. Um, you talk so much about dealing with some of those things. I think there's one part where you say... Um, you want to be a room giver and a roof lifter for the next generation, mm. uh, which I really love. And you talk about that in Ceilings and Floors where you say you want your ceiling to be the next generation's floor. Mm. Um, it's not always the case in every ministry, but I feel like it's something you exemplify mm. for us so well. Has that always been part of your leadership dynamic or your leadership mm. kind of vision?
0: Just on that, I was talking to Pastor Stephen Furtick uh-huh. and uh, I was, you know, I was talking about that very thing about I want my ceiling to be another generation's floor. And he said, I should call it dancing ceilings. Instead of dancing floors, dancing ceilings. So people dancing on the ceiling that we create. That's him, he's a creative. Yep. And uh, so I thought that was uh, awesome. So sorry, now what was the question?
2: No, I just asked if you've if that's always been a part of your, your leadership dynamic, if it's been something you've had to work at yeah. or does something that's come easily to you?
0: I think it's grown with age, you know. Uh-huh. Thank you very much, you introduced me as your your spiritual mentor, your spiritual father, and you know obviously when you're 28, no one's calling you the spiritual father. Right. And I find the first half of our life, you're building, you're a visionary, you're gung ho, you're going after all that God's got for you, and that doesn't necessarily stop. But uh-huh. I feel like the second part of your ministry journey is so much more about uh, being an example, still still being out there on the cold face doing yeah. it, but yeah. empowering other people, and yeah. as we're talking about. Uh, I, I would love to die with bruised shoulders from people standing on my shoulders.
2: I love that phrase. Mm, thanks. That's, that's we should have powerful. put that in the book, shouldn't we? <laughs> That could be in the next one. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> that's the
1: next book. We'll call mm, it bruised shoulders. Perfect. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you heard it here first.
1: I hope you're enjoying the interview so far. Today's episode is actually brought to you by Pastor Brian's new book, There Is More you can get the book at thereismorebook.com and I'd encourage you to check that out because in the book he goes into so much more detail and there's so much that you can't fit into a short interview that he's able to put into the book and I'm sure that it will inspire, encourage you and really help you to seek more from God as you journey out your creativity in life. Now, let's jump straight back into the interview with Pastor Brian and Gabe.
2: It's clear that so much of this book I feel your excitement jumping off the pages about what's to come for our church for the people in it for people around the globe how do you as global senior pastor of our church Hillsong channel reaching multiplied you know hundreds of millions of people now how do you keep yourself on that edge creatively in terms of the dreams that you dream the prayers that you pray how do you keep yourself pushing forward I know it's your natural inclination surely you need to work at it to some degree
0: yeah well you actually do you actually do i uh, am a visionary and you don't stop being a visionary because you get a little bit older so in my own life and for our own church and even for my family my kids and now my grandkids you know i have this expectation uh of more so being a visionary will automatically keep you sharpened i think Mm. um but you do i I I do think that you do have to, as you go on in life, be so careful that you don't just start relying on what you've learned, what you know, and just going through the pattern of doing what you do because you've done it for a long time and you know how you do it. And for me, aeroplanes, because I live in Australia, and everywhere's a long way. Mm -hmm. So I spend a lot of time on planes and on planes, mostly no one can, no one's interrupting you, no one's annoying you, no one's interfering. So you have all this time and I find that that time for me is great time to spend time just meditating, you know, praying, preparing. Hmm. Some of the greatest words from God I've ever received or direction I've ever received has happened on airplanes.
2: There you go. Yeah. Got to be grateful for that. Yeah. Um, Let's explore that for a second, if that's okay. You are speaking, when you're here at home, you're speaking in staff meetings, Sunday services, a bunch of things, you're doing things for the TV program. Uh, Your creative process coming up with messages, you mentioned that a lot of it happens on planes, but from there, what happens? How do you decide what's for our church? What's for an external message? Is there a process there?
0: Uh, Look, I... I preach what I believe is the word and season, and mostly it's what God's speaking to me about. Mm. So it's just an extension. I don't think I'm going to preach a sermon for you. Mostly it's what you know. I feel like God's speaking to me about, and I, right, right. I prepare what I can say, and I love the fact that you recognize the creativity that's in preaching, by the way, oh, uh, yeah. because what a lot of people would never understand is the hours that most pastors and leaders around the world put into their preparation and you know what it's like with creativity sometimes it flows incredibly and you know a songwriter might write 12 songs Uh in a month and Uh another time you can get two or three years and it's just tough and it's exactly the same as preaching you know sometimes it flows easy other times it's just a hard grind yeah but when i was younger and i was much busier i probably put less time into the creative process of speaking publicly and um And I also probably didn't enjoy it as much because I had to fit it into such a busy... But now the way our life is now, you know, we're able to lift our eyes a little higher. I feel like I have Uh so much more time. And because these days you're never just talking to a room. You're always talking through social media and streaming and YouTube and every other. You're always talking beyond the room. So I actually put more effort and work into preparation or the creative process of preaching than I ever have.
2: Yeah, I think that leads to my next question on this, which would be: How do you? Is there a practical way that you find to creatively communicate the unchanging message of Scripture? I mean, this book is based out of Ephesians three twenty, yeah. um, but I imagine that you say you labor so many hours over you know the messages that you that you bring to us. Um, is that something that you've just had to develop over time? Do you find yourself when the when the messages are flowing, can you get three or four out very quickly?
0: Uh, like I say, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's different. I, uh, I, you know, so you're in different seasons of life and sometimes you look at a scripture and literally, you know, in an expository way, it comes alive and, you know, mm-hmm. you can just sort of expound on it. And other times, yeah, it's just a harder work. But I love it more than I ever used to because I, my, my life was very busy and I had to cram it in. I used to find the process a labour but now i find it a joy. i actually enjoy doing it which is great i actually sit in my chair i do everything on my phone right so i sit in my chair you know oh, i don't need an office anymore know how you do that. and you can do it on a plane you can yep. do it you know at home you can do it in yep. a cafe and so i just work on things you know bit by bit and by bit all my study materials are in my phone i wrote a lot of my book in my phone did you really yeah oh wow Sore thumbs, but...
2: I was going to say, small <laughs> thumbs and tired <laughs> eyes. Um, one of my favourite chapters in the book is New Roads and New Rivers. Uh-huh. And in there, there's a line that you use where you say, each of us needs newness. I'm um, talking about how we need to be pushing forward for what God's got for us. Um, it might be a personal question, but what are the things that are new in your life? What's on the frontier that you're kind of pushing towards personally?
0: I think it's a good question. Uh, and... Uh, I do think we all do need newness. I love the idea of new roads, new rivers. You know, roads wind upwards uh, and rivers wind downwards. And the whole idea of new horizons, new possibilities, new roads to new opportunity, you know, winding upwards. But, you know, God's promise and God's blessing, the flow of God's river coming downwards. And uh, so... What's new? Well, our channel's only 16 months old, so it is very new still. 16 months. 16, and it's been a miracle journey the way it's growing. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's actually becoming an amazing story in and of itself, what's happening there and the people it's reaching. So that's very clearly new when it comes to ministry. We're always opening this year. We just announced nine new cities around the world. I know. Where um, Hillsong is going to be going to. So we're not shortage of new, we're opening a um, new campus yeah. for Hillsong College in Phoenix, Arizona, yeah. which hopefully will be in the fall in uh, two thousand and nineteen yeah, so, very exciting yeah and so that's it's exciting and it's scary and it's going to be amazing so yeah that way there's always new things and uh
2: So with this, I think a life like yours, you have the potential to kind of have a bit of attention over here, a bit over here, a lot on the channel, a lot on what's happening in all our different church locations. Mm. It'd be very easy for your life to be distracted and kind of bouncing from thing to thing. Mm. How do you choose what's the right opportunity to pursue? Since you could choose anything, how Mm. how do you know what's in line with the calling that God's got?
0: You know, I think that's a great question too. I have always felt like I'm not doing a lot of things. I feel like I do one thing. You know, Paul said, this one thing I do, and he's talked about the upward call of Christ Jesus. And to me, my life is all about building the church of the Lord Jesus Christ Mm. alongside the master builder. And so everything I do fits into that. Uh, Even when I travel, I speak at conferences for pastors and for leaders. I don't do, uh, when I say don't, I virtually never just go and do you know, meetings to business people or, right. you know, to motivational yep. Yep. type meetings or anything like that. I, uh, I feel like I do one thing. So whether it's in the channel or whether it's weekends or whether it's planting campuses or whether it's Hillsong College, I feel like it's one thing.
2: Yeah. And it's the same thing that you've done for over 40 years now. So <laughs> you've got a lot of experience in that. One of the things that you talk about in the book is, um, is credibility and how you say that you've over time built the credibility as our church has gone forward. and that's, that was a really powerful chapter for me to read, for to hear right. you talk about that, because it's something that doesn't get a lot of airtime in a lot of places. How right. credibility can take a lifetime to build—that's the does, foundation yeah. that you built on. Um, I'm sure that you, obviously, very intentional about, you know, the people that you put around you and whatnot. But how have you, um, not just maintained your integrity, but also built your credibility over those years of ministry? Well.
0: I don't think we build our credibility. I think, well, we do in the sense that we live out our lives and we do what we can to uh-huh. you know, keep our, our testimony intact and be uh-huh. consistent and be the same publicly as we are privately and all those sorts of things. It's a really great feeling when you're 64 and you've been preaching for a long, long time and pastoring and building for a long, long time. And, you know, people listen to you different. People listen to you different because you've got runs on the board. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's background, there's more clout to your words because you've lived them out mm-hmm. in painful times, difficult times, good times and bad times. And I feel like building credibility, it's not just in our great times and our good times, but people watching when you're facing your most difficult times and your toughest time and the way that you navigate through there. Those are all the things that build our credibility. If you know, you can be a, a moral person and a honest person and so on, but you fall apart at the first sign of pr- of trouble. Uh-huh. You know It doesn't help you to build the kind of credibility where, in fact, uh, it's not just what you're saying or what you're writing, it's who you are right. that right. causes people to listen differently.
2: Yeah, one of my favourite quotes in the book is where you'll, you'll preach a message and someone will say, how long did it take you to write that message? And your answer is always the same. Yeah. You say, 64 years. 64 years whoever so far, are. plus
0: quite a few hours <laughs>
2: <laughs> and all the yeah. extra hours um on that quickly you talk um towards the back end of the book about being spiritually alive and you make a separation between um spiritual life and yeah. spiritual activity uh can you tell us quickly about that about the difference between those two things
0: yeah well i was reading the story in uh acts of Apollos. yeah so Apollos was a very educated man uh from alexandria which was you know university city in egypt and uh, in, in it, in the message especially, it talks about diving into the depths and, you know, it, it talks there. I can't tell you right here and right now the exact language, but it really does paint a picture of being spiritually alive. And I yeah. love the imagery in it. And, uh, you know, I would compare that diving into the depths of all that God got with you with mm-hmm. There's a movie called Shallow, which I talk about shallow yeah, which I talk about in the book yeah. where I love that you know movie. a girl is on an isolated beach gets bit by a shark and she 's on the surface holding on to a rock yep. clinging for flinging, clinging for dear life you know and I think it 's sad when sort of that 's the way people live out their Christian faith you know it 's like they 're on the surface clinging to a rock when there 's so much more down there you know you go to the Great Barrier Reef here in Australia and There's just, I've only ever dived there once. Uh But there's just so much to see. It was so incredible. And on the surface, you can't see that. And to me, spiritual life is when you dive into the depth of all that God's got for you. It's so easy to just fall into spiritual activity. Mm -hmm. It really is. And that's for all of us. We're talking to a creative audience. And certainly in church situations, worship teams and people who are on the platform, the production people, everybody, they, they do that same thing in a church that's got multiple services and so on, they do it not only every week, and not only several times a week, but you know, multiple times on a day almost. And it's so easy for it to become spiritual activity for all of us. And I feel like it's up to us to understand the importance of spiritual life because no matter what a person's gift is or whatever their creative flow, it's not coming out of life. If it's just activity, it'll never connect with people.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting thing to talk about, especially for our audience being creatives who are so often judged or feel judged based on their external performance (laughs) or the quality of the songs they write or whatever else it can be. Um, That's a powerful statement and a real encouragement to a lot of people who'd be listening today Mm. to make sure they're not focusing on the externals, they're focusing on the internals and not being half-hearted about their personal development, um, which is a big thing that you talk about a lot there. I think if we have time for one more question, I'd really love to You put in
0: just on that you know you put creativity out there Mm -hmm. and it is it's like uh, it's not too much different than walking into a public square naked. Uh, absolutely you really and it's you know it's uh it is something that's true about creativity it's uh you know it's something that you feel vulnerable Uh uh but you know the amazing thing about that is you know if you are spiritually alive and you can tap into That life and then tap into that life in a way that connects with other people you you know your creativity can be such a blessing to people
2: on that probably the last thing i'd love to kind of touch on today because i know our time is kind of almost up uh there's one of my favorite chapters in the book is um the walk and the war uh i love that chapter i read Uh, that twice i spent a lot of time in there um there's one phrase in there that i think is really critical for our audience which is where you talk about how we need to commit to winning the daily battles the mediocre ones the casual ones the habitual ones um and i guess a big part of your teaching um over time and also in this book has been the importance of living the everyday well Mm -hmm. um, making sure you're making good daily choices is there anything you'd like to encourage us around on that
0: well, I would just simply say that life's not built around the big days. You know, we all have big occasions, big days, our wedding day. Uh, yeah. uh, but those are uh, the exception. Our everydays are what we live with, and life is built on the everydays. And so I, you know, I think having a real understanding of that and living those everydays well. And again, you know, especially when, you know, life's a challenge, life's difficult, the whole idea behind the walk in the war you know, the bible talks about we walk in the flesh but we do not war in right in the flesh yeah. so you know i look at the war as a spiritual life you know basically warring in the heavenlies and yeah. our walk is our everyday life and some yeah. people are great at the spiritual life they're brilliant in the prayer meeting you know they can prophesy better than the best of them but they are terrible at mowing their lawns right. and their everyday yep. life and paying their loving bills. Loving their neighbours. And, and, yep. Yeah, exactly loving their neighbours. And other people are exactly the opposite. They're so practical, so organised, so ready. But, you know, they, don't, they, don't, they go to pieces when it comes to the spiritual side. But if we can understand the importance of being good at both the walk and the war, then it's going to help us to keep moving into the more that God has for us.
2: Um, I wanted to say thank you again for writing the book. I thoroughly enjoyed reading it. I plan on rereading it. And my prayer is that it blesses a lot of people. Um, Uh, And I would encourage everyone listening today to go out and make sure they get it. um, Because it will build into them. So, Pastor Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks,
0: Gabriel. And I think that's the thing. I think, um, you know, it's one thing selling books. But it's another thing helping people. And my huge prayer and my motivation in writing this book is not just selling books. My motivation is really helping people. So let's believe it will.
2: It really will. Thank you again. Thank you. And we'll see you next time on the Hillsong Creative Podcast.
0: Thank you, Gabriel. You're very good at this. Thank you,
2: Pastor Brian. You've made it easy.
1: (laughs) Well, that was great hearing from Pastor Brian and Gabriel. When it comes to there is more, I don't know about you, but for me, I don't. I don't often think about life in those terms. And to hear Pastor Brian talk about there is more, about the believing God for there is more, is actually really encouraging for me personally. As I look back on my life and think about Ephesians 3.20, the fact that God can do immeasurably more, I actually realize that God has been doing immeasurably more than I could have ever thought the whole time. He's been at work in my life and has been doing more for me than I could have ever imagined. How about for you, I wonder if for you, as you look back, you see God's fingerprints all over life. You see how He's used the good times and the the bad times, the the ups and downs of life, to to do more than maybe you could have even imagined. Maybe you're in a season where where you're looking forward and you're thinking, can God do more? Can He use me? Can He use my creativity in my life? And I guess I'd encourage you to, to believe that yes, He can. And that's what pastor brian is saying in this interview and in his book he's he's encouraging us to think about the more to dream for the more to believe god for more and to then uh, i guess walk that out with faithfulness to be walking it out with faith knowing that god is with us knowing that he wants more for us and knowing that with him we can do more so it's a great encouragement i would Again, encourage you to get the book and to even just prayerfully consider that concept for your own life and apply it to your own lives. As we wrap up, we have our Food for Thought, which is a clip from Pastor Brian's audio version of the There Is More book.
0: Chapter 1. Dreams and Destiny. 17. What did you dream about when you were 17? Did you dare to dream? Were you allowed to dream? Were you laughed at for your dreams? Perhaps family or peers were threatened by your dreams. Or are you the product of an environment where you were encouraged to think big and dream impossible dreams? And if you're not yet 17, or are well beyond 17, what grand things do you dream about now? I was a dreamer. You see... I came from a land that was then said to have 3 million people and 70 million sheep. That's great if your life's grand ambition is to make woollen jumpers or Rockefeller cheese, but it's not necessarily a launching pad for dreaming of building anything with worldwide influence and impact. Interestingly, this small land in the Southern Ocean has produced, among many other fine endeavours, the first man to climb Mount Everest, and the first man to split the atom. It is home to the famous landscape displayed in the splendor of the Lord of the Rings movies, as well as many world-renowned entertainers, actors, athletes, and business people. Plus, of course, it boasts the world's most successful and famed rugby team, the New Zealand All Blacks. So, maybe, just maybe, humble beginnings are the perfect soil for a blossoming and fruitful life. In the 1960s, my family lived in a state house, which was a government-owned timberline dwelling that stood like a sullen soldier among all the other similar houses in Taita, Lower Hutt, New Zealand. It was a working-class suburb with all the associated social problems just outside Wellington. Nothing in particular stood out about me as a child or teenager. I found it impossible to concentrate in school and my long legs were more of a hindrance than a help when it came to the sporting field. I have vivid memories of my journey home from Huttville High School. I began my daily walk from the train station onto High Street before turning left past the Tocker Street Dairy, our local convenience store, where, if I had any change, I would stop to buy Hokey Pokey Ice Cream, which is vanilla ice cream with small bits of honeycomb toffee throughout. Then I would veer right into Reynolds Street, past Pierce Crescent, Molesworth Street and Compton Crescent before finally turning into Nash Street and I would walk past three houses before arriving home at the corner of Nash Street and Titer Drive. And day after day, on that repetitious walk home, my young, shy but adventurous mind used to dream and dream and dream. It was a dream that always seemed to follow a similar narrative. For as long as I can remember... I wanted to someday serve Jesus and preach the gospel. In fact, I cannot remember a time when that wasn't what I dreamed of doing. I dreamed in the school classroom, I dreamed on the journey home, and I dreamed while sitting in church twice on a Sunday, every Sunday throughout my childhood. It was then that I imagined speaking to big crowds or traveling the world, leading thousands of people to Jesus Christ and maybe one day building a great church. I would also wonder who my wife would be, what she would look like, where she was, and what she was doing at that very moment. And I dreamed that maybe I would meet her, that one person who would want to pursue this dream with me. Fast forward 40 years, and I have found myself on a much longer journey than that childhood walk home from the train station. It's been this ongoing adventure called life, in which the small town daydreamer has found himself living in the realisation of those dreams and in the wonder of even bigger ones.
1: Well, that's it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to subscribe, you can do that on iTunes, YouTube, or SoundCloud. And I'd encourage you to do that so you can be a part of the journey with us. We'd love to hear from you too. So if you want to give us your comments, do that on our Instagram. It's at HillsongWCC. And we'll see you next time.